Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Well, hello again and welcome to the CAA podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Not In the not too distant future, we've got International Women's Day, so we thought we might take this opportunity to talk to uh, one of the great women in chiropractic um, and particularly about the Women in Chiropractic, a, a committee that's been really going gangbusters. Most of you uh, that are members will be aware of WIC. Uh, it was originally started, or the brainchild of uh, Victorian CEO, Norman Broccoli, and uh, it had its introduction in Victoria with great success, and now it's extended uh, nationally, so uh, all states can get involved. Our guest today, um, who is very involved with WIC, and we're going to be asking her questions about this committee and uh, and many other things. Uh, she's a chiropractor of over 20 years experience, graduating from um, RMIT. She's a coach and a mentor with Powerful Practices International. Over the years, she served a number of the roles uh, of roles in the CAA on some committees that I've also been involved with, and is the current chair of the Women in Chiropractic Committee. For her services to the CAA and to the profession at large, she was recognised last year as Chiropractor or CAA Chiropractor of the Year. And of course, I'm talking of no other than Dr. Bettina Tornatora. Bettina, thank you and uh, welcome to the CAA podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Really happy to be here. I thought we might start from the beginning and maybe just to give a little bit of background to your history. Tell us a bit about your chiropractic story and uh, how you, you know, what eventuated into you becoming a chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, I was actually just asked this yesterday by a student, so it couldn't be fresher in my mind. Awesome. Um, I actually, I grew up in Mildura, country town up on the Murray, and, you know, it, up there we had, there was such a strong chiropractic uh, energy and understanding. Um, there was some really um, committed chiropractors who worked up there. So I grew up in an environment where everybody knew of chiropractic. They knew uh, the work that it that it uh, did in the community. They possibly even knew of the chiropractors. Even if they didn't attend, they knew who they might attend if they were felt the need. And so really it wasn't until I started traveling away from my hometown that I realized that People actually didn't know chiropractic as well as I did. It was just such a part of my community. So that was my introduction and, and my family were all um, very committed to chiropractic care from a very young age. So as a child, I remember going along. And then when it got to that point in high school where um, we, you know, you start making decisions about subjects and what you're going to do. And it was actually some wisdom from my mother who uh, said to me, you know, you have a real fascination for the human body. You also want a, a profession where you uh, can still fit a family in and have children and, and possibly work for yourself. They, they seem to be things. Have you considered being a chiropractor? And honestly, from that minute, there was no other choice. It was actually that clear cut and I probably was around 12 or 13 at the time. So really, there's never ever been another choice for me. That was kind of it and it and it has certainly lived up to all of that and, and so much more. So it's an interesting journey but that's, that's my story. 
That's great to have that kind of clarity, I think, at, the, at such a young age. So you would have gone through doing a HSC, as it was called back then, knowing I'm doing this because I want to do that. And you, you knew that straight from the start. I think for me, it wasn't until quite late in uh, year 12 that I sort of stumbled across chiropractic. So I think it'd be interesting to look at the statistics as to the engagement of chiropractors in rural areas compared to city areas, because quite often I hear the story similar to what you've just said. Mm, yes, it is. In in a lot of country towns, particularly in Australia, it is a, it's a powerful force in the community, and I think we can really learn from that because I think a lot of that still translates, but we just we don't see it that way for cities. So. Yeah. So you've gone off to RMIT, to the Big Smoke, or at least the uh, rural <laughs> outskirts of the, the Big Smoke out, out there in Bandura. Um, you've gone through your schooling, you've graduated as a chiropractor. What was it like early in practice? Was it uh, difficult to get started? Did you have mentors that, that helped you along the way? You know, I, I was sitting in that thought recently. You know, we... I think it's it's a journey really and I think there's this is repeated cycle many times through my chiropractic life is that it's it's easy because you don't know what you don't know and then it becomes difficult because you realize what you don't know yes. and then you come out the other side and you you seek out support or we learning and then it becomes easy again until you change something and it becomes hard again. And I think that's been the journey for us. We were uh, Jim and I, Jim my husband who's also a chiropractor of course, we went to an associate role where we actually had some really great mentorship um, from our principal chiropractor and that was really helpful and I don't think I actually really understood how helpful that was till much later when I was actually offering that to other people. Um, so he kind of guided us along. There was a very clear picture of what that practice offered and what it did for the community. So that was that was really beneficial. But you know, it, we've moved into state, we've worked rurally, and we've then come back to the, the back to Melbourne and back to the city. And each time, there's another new learning. And you know, I I wish I had been more proactive when I look back at that, at getting mentors and or coaches on board, um, because I I mostly learnt by falling on my face. And, you know, sometimes I think I could have taken off a lot less skin and, uh, and been supported a bit more along the way. So I've learned certainly as I've gone on that when it does get harder for whatever reason, actually to resource those resources we have within our profession. And, you know, I think that's something that we are starting to do better, but we could even do even better again in supporting each other along the way and sharing our knowledge, our resources, um, our understanding of things so that we don't have to take off quite so much skin all the time. So you did get some support, obviously, from your principal chiropractor, but didn't necessarily uh, get the most out of a, a mentee role, but you certainly sounds like you're getting a lot out of your mentor role with your work that you do for Powerful Practices. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and how that came about was, you know, five or six years ago, I didn't wake up and say, hey, I think I'll become a coach. Um, it was more a case I was getting to that point in practice. Um, we, we were just expanding as a practice and I got we got uh, approached to share some of that, uh, what we'd learned along the way. And in that process, uh, it occurred to me that we had learned a lot along the way and I had had some experiences worth sharing. And so then began a formal process of, of coaching. And, and for me, that coaching is actually about leveraging. You know, I can only, I can see a certain quantity of people in a day. However, if I coach others, then they all go out and live a great, fully expressed life. Then 
then I've leveraged that. And so people then um, go out and they have a, a better existence and live their best version. And that's really what it's all about for me, whatever that looks like. Um, we're very clear as an organisation at Powerful Practices that it's about people living their best expression um, and working with that. And whether that's um, in practice, in their lives outside of practice, um, the whole, I guess, looking at it from a very holistic point of view. So, yeah. So moving to your involvement with the CAA, um, I think the first time, not the first time we met, but perhaps the first time I got to know you was uh, we were both on the Professional Standards Committee in uh, Victoria. Was that your first role with CAA or had you done a few things leading up to that? I'd done some not formal roles. So that was more of a formal committee role when I came on for professional standards. And prior to that, I'd, I'd just done kind of minor contributing here and there. Um, but not really anything on a formal basis. And and I think, you know, I've all, always had the intention to become involved. I really see that that get, being involved in CAA is about supporting my profession that supports me. And in a way, it's a little bit of adding to the legacy that I have the benefit from. So, you know, each day that I go to practice and I have the opportunity to practice, it means that the people who've gone before me in this profession have worked their butts off to make sure I have a profession to go to in one way or another and I see CAA is a really big part of that. So for me now it's almost like I've I've got to hold this torch for the next generation. I know that sounds rather grand but I really see it that way and that the giving that I do is actually giving back um, to those who've given before and it actually breaks my heart sometimes when I hear people critical because I know so many people who are doing just that and they're doing it for similar reasons to what I am. And um, I think it's easy to forget that there are a, a just a truckload of volunteers in CAA who are all there for, you know, promoting the profession and supporting the people who aren't out there doing the job. So I think it's, it's really powerful for me to see that. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. You know, you've hit on a really salient point there. Um, to, to, to expand on that, I think while it's very important, obviously, to have people at, at the coalface doing the work, um, it, the best thing for, for people like you and for, uh, you know, I, I'm in a similar position is just having members involved in terms of participating in the process and being members of the CAA. I know um, just having people turn up at um, AGMs or, or, you know, occasionally sending an email just makes a big, big difference. And I guess this is the whole getting back also to the mentor-mentee thing is that sometimes mentees um, feel a little uncomfortable asking for help or don't want to, um, I guess, be a burden on, on their mentors. But uh, for people like uh, yourself and myself and others of a similar vintage, we are very much at that stage where we get as much from giving back as hopefully the, the people who are receiving that information and support. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I'm loving about the women in chiropractic process because I, I really believe most, most of us in the profession, and I, I mean even those new to the profession, don't realise what we have to offer the other people out there. And one of the beautiful things that's come out of the Women in Chiropractic events is this common sharing of information where we open the floor to questioning and often the answers aren't coming from the stage. 
they're coming from someone else in the room who's had a similar experience or who has some wisdom on that area. So it becomes that collective sharing of knowledge. And as you say, you know, being connected and being engaged in something mm. <laughs> so that you have that that connect into the profession, I think is really powerful. So that's certainly one of the one of the beautiful side effects or the unintended effects of WIC has been to connect people, but also for them to realise their shared wisdom. I think we all have wisdom. We just often don't remember to share it. So uh, no doubt that the, your involvement with WIC was a, was a no-brainer, but when did you become involved? Uh, were you at the first sort of meetings or did you come along a little bit later? I was at the first meeting. I remember sitting at a Japanese restaurant with a very long table of um, amazing, amazing women. And um, to be honest, you know, I, when I first... Uh, looked at the the wick idea i i i wasn't uh, i wasn't sure about it to be honest but and that was because i i'd been so blessed in this profession to have so few experiences of bias or prejudice or um uh, stories of abuse and things like that I, I think we're really blessed as a profession we have um we've got a lot going for us in terms of parity um and understanding of excellence over gender but as I started to talk to more people and as I started to look into some of the statistics in the profession that's when it became a real no-brainer for me so when I looked at even in my own year level uh, how that we had a 50-50 split of men and women and that when I look around I don't see a lot of those women active in practice um, so where it's a matter of now finding out, okay, well, where is this? And that's across the board last year at the Rubicon conference. Um, there were several colleges there from the US and in, and Europe, and they now 50% is pretty much the gold standard across the board of women and men in chiropractic colleges. But that doesn't isn't represented necessarily in our registration um, numbers. And I think that's a concern because we, in my opinion, we need more chiropractors. We need people out there. We need. Uh, more information going out into the community about what we do and what we can deliver. So to potentially be losing so many, um, then that's a real concern for me. And what my big question is, is we need to know why that's happening. So let's make sure that it's if it's happening because of a conscious decision to do something else or to choose a different uh, way of, of living or earning income, that's okay, great. But if it is because we're not supported enough and those people aren't feeling like they can maintain their role in the profession, then we need to know about that. Because, you know, five years of uni and, and all that goes with those first years of practice, um, it'd be a shame for those people not to feel like that was, uh, you know, worthwhile. And I think that's definitely one of the, uh, what will be one of the great longer or medium to longer term outcomes from, from this is, uh, is helping women stay connected to the profession and to the next level. And I know this isn't for, for everyone, but having uh, women doing things like yourself where they're actually involved in that more pointy end of leadership. Um, of course, it's, you know, we've uh, currently just got uh, Alison Bennett, who's the only female on the national board. And uh, prior to that, it was uh, Michelle Kotzman. And it's, it's, it's hard enough to keep uh, women in the profession. It's even harder to get them up to those pointy levels where certainly, you know, I for one and, and from what I understand and talking to others in the CAA, there's very much an interest in keeping uh, women engaged in leadership positions as well. And this is not just a uh, chiropractic issue. It's not just a CAA issue. It's actually a global issue in terms of um, the big question that's being asked is if we have um, these women who 
who have the skill set, the technology, the understanding to do leadership, where are they and why aren't they there? And there's lots of different answers coming out and there's lots of research being done. But one of the things that we are, what is being accepted now literally globally is that there's a belief system in a lot of women that they don't know how to be leaders or that they don't see the leader in themselves. And that's one of the things that I think WIC really um, encourages and also, too, perhaps in this, uh, the International Women's Day event coming up um, in, a, in a few weeks, I think is a real highlight of that, where there will be four women on the uh, panel that day who come from within and outside of chiropractic who are leading in their own way. And I think what it does is it creates some beautiful role modelling that says it doesn't have to look like what we think it looked like or any preconceived notion of leadership. Here are four women um, and a room full of women who are all leading in their own way. And that's when someone may potentially set up, step up into a leadership role as such. But largely, there's been a real void of uh, role models uh, for people to, to go, oh, yeah, okay, if you can do it, uh, maybe I can role model some of the way you go about that. And, and then I could do it too. So I think that's a push globally and I'm really, I'm really interested in that and I'm always researching on how can we empower people generally and women to, um, to really think about what can they offer, what do they have to offer and also making it okay that they offer that in whatever way feels right for them for their lives. So, yeah. One of the things that uh, I was very interested in our, in our little email exchange that we had prior to uh, doing this podcast, uh, you said, look, I'd like to talk about harmony. Um, now, most people, when they, uh, when they talk about juggling many things at once, you know, how can I be a, a, a husband or a wife? How can I be a father uh, or a mother? How can I manage a practice and still have, you know, a social life and everything like that? The most common word that's talked about is balance, but you've got you in your email to me. You said harmony and in brackets, not balance. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's one of my favourites. When you think of balance, often the picture that comes to mind is a set of scales. So um, people often do you know powerpoints with sets of scales on them. But the thing with scales is, for it to be in balance, there has to be equal distribution of weight. And even when we look at, you know, look at the body, we might even put someone on, on two sets of scales and say, okay, is there an uneven load or weight bearing on either side? And we would say that that was an issue that we were looking for across the board, even balance. And I think the problem with relating that to life is that it, it actually never gets to a sense of evenness or equality in all areas, because at any given time, one area of your life is going to be demanding more energy, time, attention, love, whatever resources you need. So to constantly be striving for something which is even and still and stagnant is actually a misnomer and it creates actually stress and tension in people. We see it in coaching all the time where there's this striving for a sense of evenness and completion and, I mean, Anthony, you and I know, you know, you bring children into the picture or staffing or, you know, the political climate, and the reality is we're not actually looking for equilibrium. We're actually looking for harmony. So it's actually the it's working with the ebb and flow and realising that at different times different things are going to be taking different levels of energy and attention. And when I, when I work with women particularly, that's a really relieving idea it's an idea that actually makes them kind of give, I often hear on coaching calls, this big, 
oh, thank goodness for that. It's actually not about trying to achieve this perfect picture and that, you know, there are going to be things that are out of whack in your life and that's okay and that it is a constant evolving process that you just keep showing up each day and striving for the best music or harmony that you can actually achieve. Well, does that guess, make sense? <laughs> uh, absolutely, it does, and it's a very refreshing uh, way of thinking about it because uh, ultimately, you know, it's just that, as you said, it's the harmony uh, that, that will give us eventually the fulfillment. And, you know, fulfillment comes in all different shapes and sizes, and we have to sort of, you know, manage that in a, in a flexible way mm. and a dynamic mm. way as well. Absolutely. So we talked earlier and sort of mentioned International Women's Day is Thursday the 8th of March. What can we yes. expect for, from WIC for this event? Oh, you know, it's. Uh, I've just had confirmation that there is another event going ahead. So, so far we have our uh, Victorian Women, Women in Chiropractic International Day Women's Breakfast, um, which will have four panel speakers in and out of the profession. Um, we're going to the, – the theme we've chosen uh, for the Victorian event is Empowered Choices. So your body, your career, your home and your time and – there's going to be the four inspired women really talking about different elements of that. We have someone who's passionate about gut health and overall health and well-being of the internal environment. Uh, we've also got a woman who is uh, passionate about the external environment and how our homes and our environments physically impact our health. We have the CEO of um, Hands On Health, which a lot of people would know, um, run the chiropractic and or adjunctive therapies practices using chiropractic students. And we also have um, a chiropractor who has just um, really taken her career to the next level with supporting women in their roles and their career choices. So that that panel um, arrangement works really well because it'll it'll everybody will be feeding off everybody, and um, we'll actually get some great questions, I'm sure, out of that. Um, we also have uh, New South Wales is also running a webinar-based event on the night of um, 8th of March um, and Sue Ferguson's running that. She's on our National WIC committee. Um, they've got a, a guest speaker coming in who's uh, talking about uh, families and, and how, how those dynamics work. And um, I th you know, super exciting because it is webinar-based. Um, it means people can log in, and I know there are people well outside of New South Wales who will be logging in because it looks fantastic. And we've also got Queensland have just come on board, um, and they're going to be running an event just slightly later for its International Women's Day, but they're going to run it slightly later in the month. Um, and that'll be a face-to-face -face over a, um, a really nice luncheon. So they're just going to be coming together and, and sharing space together. So, you know, the theme for International Women's Day uh, often feels it doesn't quite fit with chiropractic in our profession because I often last year's theme, for example, was talking about parity of income and we've had that. We've taken that for granted in our profession that uh, whether you're a male or a female in chiropractic, you get paid the same. Mm. Um, it's not something that is true of all professions. I mean, we, we saw last year in the media there was some very big stories around that. So we've got a lot to be grateful for and I think it's really important when we come together with women in chiropractic is it's actually – honouring and being uh, grateful for what we do have and then looking to the future and saying, well, what else could we do? And I want to be really clear, Anthony, I am so clear that this is a whole profession um, organisation. WIC may be manned, if you like, or womaned by, um, by women, 
However, it is these events. Uh, I know we would they would be welcome. All men would be welcome in the profession. There's certainly not to exclude chiropractic brothers from them, because it is important. You know, when you look at the statistics um, of a lot of our female associates that are going into practice are working for male principal chiropractors. So the issues that are discussed, the concerns, the support, it's actually important for the whole profession. It's just that we we focus on the specific needs but uh, encourage everyone uh, out there to really think about coming along, you know, um, and sharing and learning and observing. I think there's some real power in that. So I'm really excited. International Women's Day is just the beginning. We have events spread out over the whole year and, as you said before, all the states now. We're still Northern Territory. We're still uh, we're still missing a, a member, but um, we know that the online events will support them as well. But it's really starting to grow now, where each state will have events on. Well, as I said, I think um, Matthew Fisher, our national CEO, described WIC um, at our recent board meeting as going gangbusters, and it certainly sounds like that's exactly what's happening, both for International Women's Day and beyond. You're certainly right about uh, you know men being involved in this as well. I know um, in your practice bus tour where you've taken groups of CAs round to various different practices over a a weekend uh, to see how different practices work because sometimes they're so their experience of chiropractic is limited to the four walls that they work in. Uh, I've participated in that. Uh, we've sent our staff along on one of those bus tours. They had a great time and it was, you know, really insightful uh, for them. So, so yes, clearly dealing with women's needs, but not just for the girls. No, absolutely not. And the men who have come along to the Women in Chiropractic events, and there's been several have come along over the um, the last few years to the Victorian ones, um, have come away and been blown away with what they've learnt in that space. Um, I remember a, a young graduate, he just finished uh, chiropractic college and he came away and he, he approached me at another event afterwards and he said, you know, I, it was the theme was leadership and we had four women from outside the profession talking about their leadership and as women the th- the things that they faced and he came and said to me he said you know what I hadn't ever considered he said I've my I understand my family so much better I've got sisters and my mother who've all been involved in business and I never really understood the journey that they had to go through when they had young families and thank you so much for that so he'll take that wisdom into practice and I think that's invaluable um, that reflection and that capacity to see what's going on for somebody else inevitably makes us better well-rounded and more likely to be in harmony in it with ourselves. So for members to get involved it's just a matter of going uh, on I guess to the CA website finding out what events are coming up and sign up for them is it as simple as that? It is as literally simple, simple as that, contacting CAA National. Um, CAA, they will then put you in touch with uh, your local area member on our committee. You can also go to request to become a, um, a part of the, uh, the, the national Facebook page for women in chiropractic. Um, and if you are a member, you're registered as a chiropractor and or a student, you can become on that page and everything gets shared there also. And then, of course, you can actually contact me personally. I've got no problem with that. Um, if you're not sure how you could contribute or if you have something to offer, um, please make contact. If you have an idea, we are really open to hearing what people want and need and and then that way we're offering the best support that we can. 
can. And of course, that just not for just events. That's also if there's other support required. Um, we now are starting to build a really strong network um, of people who could mentor um, and also support if there are some more um, serious things going on in those people's lives. So we have a really great support network happening. So don't hesitate in reaching out to WIC. Um, you know, it's a really valuable resource and uh, get involved with it, I guess, is the message. Uh, Bettina, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. It's been fun. Uh, you're an amazing role model for both women and men in chiropractic, and I really appreciate uh, your service to the profession and particularly to the CAA. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's it uh, for me. Thanks very much uh, for listening. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you again on our next CAA podcast.